Have you ever had an idea and as soon as it's popped into your head, you've lost it again? Yep, happens to me too. Well, in today's conversation, I will be introducing you to a guy who can help you hold on to that idea. He is the ideas guy. So grab a brew, put your feet up and listen for the next half hour. We're going to make conversations about ideas count. Wendy? Well, coming soon, you'll be able to find everything you need to know about the show on its own shiny new website. We'll be keeping you posted. Now let's crack on with the show. It's an absolute pleasure to welcome Nick Venius from the Ideas Agency. Thank you so much for joining us today. All right, no worries. Good intro. <laughs> Thank you. We met through a mutual podcast guest. Mm. Tell everybody about our mutual friend. Yeah, through Henny, who runs a digital marketing agency, and she's awesome um, because she didn't start in that vein. She do. She wasn't a digital marketer. She learned it by herself, really. So, and now she's incredible. She's won lots of awards. Yeah, she's a brilliant digital marketer. So that's how we met. She clearly underplayed it because she never mentioned the awards once. So I'm going to go and kick her about that. And this is the thing, isn't it? You know, when you want to just be helpful, because she is a very helpful lady, you know, you only have to ask her something and she'll come forward. And she said, oh, I think you need to speak to Nick. And we've had a chat previously. And from that chat, I just felt your wisdom and your ideas would be really useful for our listeners on the show. So, Nick, tell everybody what you do. What is the Ideas Agency? So what we do is we work with ambitious brands to unlock new market opportunities. And what I mean when I say that is that we help them solve customer challenges and develop new product services and marketing strategies. So we've been doing that, or I've been doing that, I should say, since 2013. And my aim was always to make a living off idea creation and that's what I'm doing. So what does that look like? Say I'm a customer and I've got a a customer journey challenge. What sorts of solutions would you be putting in place? Because I'm sure along with lots of other business owners that digital marketing is a bit of a minefield and if you don't know, how can you ask? To start right back at the beginning, it always starts with a customer challenge and when i say customer challenge actually what i mean is they'll come to me with an outcome like let's say a car manufacturer comes to me and says right we want to sell more product it tends to be we want to sell more product or we want to market ourselves more effectively to our current customer audience or we need to develop a new service right the problem with that is that they're limiting the amount of ideas they can generate because the question they're asking themselves is actually an outcome. We want more customers is an outcome. It's not a problem. That is actually because when we were children, we were taught in school, what does five plus five equal? And it has one answer. So when brands come to me and they're adults that are coming to me, they're telling me, what does five plus five equal 10? We want 10. Whereas actually what I have to do is reverse engineer that and rewrite the question to what two numbers add up to 10? Because as soon as you reframe the question, suddenly you can get tons of ideas and it can be any, it can be anything really. You can solve anything by just reframing and really understanding the question because the key to great ideas 
is a great question. You know, some people say, well, there's no such thing as a bad idea. And that's true. But there are such things as weak ideas and weak ideas are the result of poorly defined questions. That's where you should always begin. And, you know, there's stuff like Einstein always said that if he had an hour to solve a problem, he'd spend 55 minutes on the problem and five minutes thinking of solutions. Because as soon as you've got the problem, the idea is the easy part. It's the problem that's the tough part to understand. And so we start there usually with a workshop with their teams. So a lot of the workshops that I do with teams really help a lot the creativity held within the team so they come to me with an outcome we change that into a problem worth solving and then I take them through various ideation techniques and processes and the reason for that is I often get teams will come to me and say oh yeah but you know we're not really creative so I don't really know what we're going to get out of the session but actually even creative luminaries, take for example, David Bowie, he sold 140 million albums using process. So a lot of like creative luminaries have this process just inbuilt into their brains and they think they're special because they can just come up with incredible ideas, just like it seems like magic. But actually, they now you're these- talking Freddie Mercury. Yeah, 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 exactly. What, you know, <laughs> some kind of magic. But yeah. what they're doing, they've already got this pre-programmed in their brains. Like I used to think I was like a special creative genius and I could come up with ideas like that. But actually, my brain was is wired in such a way as to kind of like combine lots of different things, come up with the question, come up with the solution like that. And that I'm not unique in that sense, which I subsequently discovered. So going back to Bowie, he was obviously very talented to start with, but he would take things like newspaper stories that he'd seen and he would take poems and advertisements and all this kind of stuff, all this material, all these inputs, cut it all up, throw it to the floor and rearrange it to start forming the basis of his songs. Because when you force different things together, you can create some fractured but quite interesting relationships between them, which then spark ideas. So I take the teams through this process and as they go through, they start to see, oh yeah, yeah, we are actually, we're going to solve this. We're going to solve this. And you can do it in, well, I've done it in as little as an hour and a half, but you can spend a day, two days taking them through Nick, that process. You know, that's a new product and service for you because what you're describing there is something that I struggle with. And it's usually something that stops me from falling to sleep or something that wakes me up because I'm thinking about trying to solve something. And it's that absorption and sponging of ideas and trying to get all the pieces of the puzzle to sort of formulate themselves. And if you could, you know, put that into a workshop process that I could access for an hour and a half to help me unpack that, I would happily pay you for a good night's sleep. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's a really good book called Big Magic. And uh, she talks about ideas as actually entities that, visit you and will stay with you and just gnaw at you for ages saying come on come on make me real make me real make me real and if you ignore them they'll go off to someone else and and then the the someone else makes it real and you're like oh I had that idea ages ago I wish I'd done that and there's some amazing amazing coincidences that she talks about that yeah it's just uh, remarkable really but creativity is something that I've always been interested in and the the psychology of creativity which is why I'm reading Big Big Magic. Once you start to show the teams, oh, right, yeah, I can do this, then suddenly they're like, 
right, this is awesome because you can start applying the same techniques to loads of different areas, your areas, your business or your life. That whole thing around thinking like a child is it's something that we do miss as we progress through life. We kind of taught to ignore some of those mannerisms that are childish, I think. Yeah, I mean, when NASA were looking for, they created something called the genius test. And one of the things within the genius test was how many ways can you improve a fork? So they gave this test to 300,000 people and it was something like 6% got to the genius level. They had a like a sliding scale of how many things you can do to improve a fork. And then they were like, oh, I wonder if we took this from 30 plus year olds to 25 year olds and it was slightly went higher. And then they took it to kind of like 15 year olds and the percentage went higher. And then they took it to five-year-olds. What percentage of five-year-olds do you think could attain genius level through NASA, through NASA's test? Well, if you're starting at an average of 6%, I would kind of slide that up to about, I don't know, I'm going to throw out 22. Yes, yeah, 98%. 98% of yeah. five-year-olds? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Seriously, we yeah. really need these kids running the country. we lose that as we go through our life because we're not taught to think in that way we're not taught to think what two numbers add up to 10 we're taught to think what does five plus five equal so i think that's something that yeah is really important is just being able to think i don't want to say laterally but you know just think more expansively but that whole process of drawing out your customers creativity has got to come through conversation right you know by asking questions and getting them to think hard and to be able to verbalize their own thought processes to be able to apply some kind of solution and direction yeah i mean i guess like when i get an outcome i'll always go and do something called a safari and that's where the conversation happens with the front end in turn and when I say front end I mean with store staff or with customers whatever it may be and I say store staff because I do one for co-op and there's a number you'd be surprised at the brands that I've worked on considering like this is the office <laughs> it's like global monster monster brand come to me and ask me about outcomes so yeah it does start with conversation it really is it's just to understand where the friction points are and that's super obvious right it's funny because I got a car recently and the car company said after I purchased my car, they were like, oh, can you tell us about your experience? Which is what every single car company or yeah, business get the does. review in get quick re- before get- something bad happens yeah, or they yeah. forget how wonderful we are. Yeah. So I went in and I was like, I remember going in to pick it up. There was a woman in reception and she was working on her laptop like in a comfortable chair, but it was, she was like really sunk down. And so I was like, you guys need to provide some kind of coffee bar where people can get free coffee and do their work because everyone needs to work remotely now. We don't have time to sit in your waiting area for an hour, right? You need to do that because what you're doing is basically priming the customer. So you're saying to them, you're going to deliver them either some good news or some bad news, but they're going to be in a better frame of mind if you go up to them and say, right, enjoy some coffee. You can work at our coffee bar. Here's the Wi-Fi code the sales staff shoes, some of them weren't clean or like bright or they haven't been polished and stuff. And for me, this might just be me, it sets like the tone of our cars are as polished as we are. And I know that's like a tiny thing, but I was like, you need to get to corporate or corporate marketing or whatever, and they need to be furnishing you with your own 
uniform, including shoes. You know, it's just because they're so close to being a brilliant, brilliant brand. They're like, they're not as kind of like polished as Audi. They're just below it. And I just think they'd smash Audi out of the water if they just did these certain things. I think they could, and they're only little tweaks, but they make a big difference to the customer. It's the, it's the, the difference of perception, isn't it? And expectation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I find this, you know, like you saying about going on safari, I find this when I'm talking to, to the head of department and they'll say, this is happening and that's happening. And this is what I think is happening in the team. Then you get to the team and you say, so tell me how things are happening. And in actual fact, it's nowhere near the story that's I've been led to believe. It's way out of, of whack. And that's what's going to make the difference, I think, between getting everybody talking the, the same and on the same page. It's like values. It's like a culture, company culture has to be the same, doesn't it? You know, no matter whether you're the cleaner and empty in the bins and wiping down the tables to the CEO that he's on hands-free conference in the boardroom, it doesn't matter so long as you're all aiming for the same thing. It's really important to be able to experiment and stuff in a business. And a lot of businesses do allow it. Like it's certainly in Western culture, like failure is seen as a bit of a bad thing. And I know this is like super cliche to say it, but I think a lot of the businesses that I work with are okay with it. They're okay with failure. It's down to the people to be okay with it. And the culture enables that. But fundamentally, if you're afraid of it, internally, you're afraid of taking a risk and making something happen, be that a new idea or a new process you want to implement, then your company is going to be stilted. And so the more you can imbue your culture with risk-taking and being entrepreneurial and encouraging that within your business and encouraging your staff to do that and encouraging them to just go and play and fail and test and all that kind of stuff, then it's going to be hard for you to progress. But I think overall, a lot of companies do encourage it. Yeah, unpacking the conversation, whether it's positive, negative, whether it's going to sit well or not. At the end of the day, to me, conversation is currency. Then if that's what your business is built upon. Nick, you touched on our education and how the five-year-olds that tested for NASA really should be running the country. What would your advice be to anybody wanting to try and tap into that sort of creative process if they feel disconnected from their five-year-old self well there's loads of stuff online that you can look at in terms of idea gen processes firstly there's loads of tools online i've got something called the ideas academy which we will put in the notes and stuff and that's you can use some of the tools there it's free to use if you want to use it there's a paid version as well but some people edison for example What he used to do was close all the windows and doors of his office and close the door to his office so that the ideas wouldn't escape. And all he was really doing was just priming his brain, say, right, now we're going to now we're going to think of something or we're going to solve something. And so a lot of people say, oh, yeah, I think of ideas when I'm in the shower because your brain's relaxed and you're just freely associating stuff. If you try and force it nine times out of ten, it won't come because you're trying to make something happen that invariably won't. Elizabeth Gilbert talks about this writer. It's a really famous writer from back in the day. And what he would do is if he got writer's block, he would get himself dressed in his finery. Like it's just to change his state. 
And then he'd sit down and he was like, and it was, it's like the words just come to me. There's another woman who's a really famous American poet. She used to say that she'd be out in the field or anything, something like that. And she could literally feel the words running towards her. And she knew this was the start of an idea. So she'd run back to her house as fast as she could, trying to get there, get to a pen before the words or hit her. And she was like, it's like, it just used to come through me. And I think you do get that, that kind of like, exoteric experience of when you get an idea and you know it's an absolute winner like it can leave you shaking like I've experienced that from a client brief and I knew it was going to win absolutely I was like this is a winner this is an absolute winner and it did win and the client that I did it for won 14 million quid out of it that one idea so I think that you can feel the power in it when you know you're there I mean it doesn't happen every day but when you know you've got a good idea, it's like, yes. And, and it all starts with get into a space where you're comfortable and where your mind can start to just wander a bit. That's the key, really, is being relaxed, being comfortable and just being just allowing your mind to just melt. <laughs> that sounds really Yes. Good. Some of my best ideas have always come with swimming because instead of concentrating on breathing, you know, because I was an, I'm an accomplished swimmer, I don't have to worry about swallowing the water. I would literally just swim solid, you know, for 45, 60 minutes. And whilst I was in the water, the only thing I had to keep me company was to just think about different random things and let different th- random things come in. These days I have to rely on ironing, but it's that same repetition that I've gotten into to allow the brain to go. And I think sometimes you need to percolate an idea. You know, you've got a seed of something, but you're not quite sure where it's going to go or how best to nurture it. So I would say, don't be afraid to have a few different things going on. I've had a coach say one thing at a time and I've gone, no, I can't. Because if I get stuck on that, I've got something else to distract me, which usually helps me fix the what I'm not thinking about. The other thing, of course, is that you can get this thing around, oh, I've come up with a brilliant idea. I'm never going to be able to come up with another as good an idea. So that's why I think you get a lot of musicians who come up with one hit song and then they're kind of like, oh, my other songs aren't going to live up to this. Or like authors who write one absolute smash hit book and then it's kind of like not going to come up with anything else. It's got to be difficult to recreate a state unless you enjoy living in that state. And then that's got to come down to mindset. I was listening to a load of stuff, Clubhouse, you know, the new addiction. And whether it be, you know, take your small business from being an owner to a CEO or whether it's to be your own first millionaire or whatever, really the biggest takeaway from listening to so many people puff their chest out and ruffle their feathers was that they don't allow negative language. It's as simple as that. That power of positive thinking is what's got them through. And it might be a bit cliche, but yeah, I agree. I think like that, the determination is really important if you've got an idea and you want to carry it through. So there is that. I think positive thinking does have its place, but then it needs to be married with action because if it's not, then you're just like, it'll, ha- it'll happen, but it'll happen to you. It won't happen for you. Definitely remain positive and also treat obstacles as gifts, really. Well, that's the most important thing that I've learned through my life is that if there's an obstacle or a disadvantage or anything like that's a gift like it can really help you if you serious lessons aren't they yeah yeah, yeah massively yeah and yeah. i think that that's certainly in my life like i experienced a lot of hardship when i was younger 
and you know mainly it was due to my mum so she passed away when I was really young but and my dad's from Greece and so English was his second language and all that kind of stuff I subsequently saw it as like oh it's a really good thing because I've had to do loads of stuff by myself that I would have never I would have been like completely shielded from growing up it's remarkable the number of entrepreneurs that have have had like major traumatic event in their life or someone's left them or something you know they've had a death or something there's always that but actually it's like an absolute gift because if you didn't have that then you know where would you be you look at people like Chanel started in I think she grew up in a convent didn't have parents there's a litany of really famous people who've come from nothing and I think that's the best thing like when I talk to students and stuff I say to them just because you're not at Harvard or Yale or Brown or Oxford or Cambridge or whatever it may be you guys have got the the most opportunity because you're not limited there's no pressure on you to do extraordinary things the limit's you yeah. And they also sometimes don't have the fire in the belly that coming from nothing or coming from adversity gives you. One of our previous guests, Nikki Pattinson, she actually applauds dancing with the devil and says that had she have not had those really, really dark days, she wouldn't be where she is now because that's kind of what forced her ambition, if you like, to do better. The whole fire in the belly thing I agree I do think that in terms of like it gives you drive but I think some especially like younger children who've been through stuff just think it's hopeless and they can't see that there's a way out to the stars is it that we don't see it the way that they see it yeah yeah definitely and being quite profound you know people moan about our children being on screens and how they don't communicate but in actual fact they're the best at connecting now you know, socially connected, just not traditionally how we've done it. They're just doing it in a different way. Every generation advances on the last generation and things happen quicker and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, being like, they are completely interconnected. They're all like digital natives. Like my four-year-old can navigate the internet and stuff like that. How many purchases has she made this week? She hasn't. (laughs) My my mate's son bought a 300 quid pram. (laughs) which wasn't great and then they couldn't send it back and so they had to pay 300 pounds for this pram so yeah it's not the greatest that they're digital natives I just think you have to tell stories like and show them that no matter what background or no matter where you're from or no matter the circumstances you're in today it doesn't mean that in the future things are going to be the same you just need to show them that there is opportunity out there and once you show them that there is opportunity And, you know, if they're driven by material things or if they're driven by, I don't know, the need, the want or need to be a role model for someone else or anything like that, then that's the key, really. You just got to find what resonates with them. Having something to aim for in life and giving them purpose is is really important. I know that as a parent, too. Since we only have a limited amount of time, for the listeners, they're probably wondering what on earth is his pivotal moment. So do you want to take centre stage? Tell us what happened. Yeah, I think for me, I've already kind of touched on it. It's the, It was definitely like the death of my mum that kind of like led to absolutely everything. Because I was always, as a young child, especially when my mum came ill, I was always thinking of ways to help her. I remember once she couldn't clean the windows, she was trying to clean the windows. I just made this thing that would, when you 
push your hands together, it would extend. I put a sponge on the end of it and it would clean the windows. And when you pulled your hands apart, it would descend. And um, so I made that for her. And I was really lucky as a young person, like six years old, to know that I always wanted to be in creative or making a designer. Stuff, yeah. yeah, making stuff. Yeah. yeah. And so that's kind of like, for me, what led me on the path to what I'm doing now. I started after that, which was my pivotal moment and having to, on my father's behalf, like liaise with banks. And so you imagine like an eight-year-old going in with their dad to a bank and having to translate, say, no, you shouldn't get this loan secured against the house, dad. No, we'll get it like unsecured. Can we get it unsecured? Yeah. yeah. Like an eight-year-old talking to <laughs> the bank manager. Incredible. Yeah. And so like from there, I was always at school and things like that. I was really good at understanding problems and coming up with ideas and solutions to them and then that went into uni went to product design came out of product design. and again like at uni literally didn't have enough money to buy pens so I used to borrow pens off my mate I'm talking like rendering pens not pens like this rendering pens were like 12 quid ago so really expensive and that's like ones you basically coloring with so coming out of uni got first from doing product design then went and tried to launch my own product out of uni because I was like well I've already been through so much. So like, I don't have any money anyway. So I might as well just try and do my own thing. You had a natural maturity because of what you'd been through. Yeah, maybe. I just think like it was just like not being afraid of jumping. Like I think a lot of people who are comfortable maybe in business or in their jobs just don't want to rock the boat and are too scared to like, they want to find out what's over the cliff, but they just don't want to jump into the sea and swim to the island in the distance. Whereas I was just like, well, I'm already in the sea now, so I might as well try swimming. Otherwise, the only other thing that's going to happen is, you know, I'm just going to get washed up back to the beach. So there's no worries. And did that. I launched a product at uni, which I almost sold to a big corporate. But then I got an opportunity to go to study advertising for the summer scholarship for Saatchi and Saatchi. And I went there and that was a met like... Pfft, unreal experience. I bet that was an eye-opener yeah it was an amazing experience I love that company so I had a really good time there and I got offered I think it was like eight jobs to stay there and I didn't because I was going to be an account manager and I really wanted to do stuff with ideas and so I came back to Gloucester and went and worked for a small digital agency as their new business director and built them up and then I started what is now the Ideas Agency in 2013. So I've got always had a, like a background in creativity. And now, like I, I remember way back, I was like telling my dad, oh, I just want to like come up with ideas for companies because I'm good at it. And he was like, yeah, but Nick. Who's going to pay pays? you for that? Who's going to pay you for that? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I was like, no, they must do. They must, they, like, they do. They will. Yeah. Anyway, it didn't like happen straight away. But now, yeah, I work with some of the smallest and biggest brands in the world developing solutions for them. Yeah. Can I have one of those window cleaning things, please? Oh, yeah, right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah okay, yeah. No yeah. worries. Yeah, your mum must have been really touched at you being such a small boy being able to help her in that way let's face it when we are that small how much can we help what can we do it's a confusing time and it it was just lovely to hear that she's really kind of encouraged you to do it yeah she was super creative she was super creative like used to make her like her own clothes and so yeah she like was really musical just recently my dad passed away as well just really recently 
And I found like all this stuff because my dad hid everything after my mom because he had two really young kids. that so didn't want to hurt them with, you know, but I, me and my sister found all these like photos and my mum's handwriting is the same as mine, which is really weird. Just like <laughs> loads of stuff like that. So it's, yeah. I would say that these people that leave us physically don't ever really leave us. There's something either genetically or whatever that's imprinted, even dented on our brain that, you know, we don't forget. We just don't necessarily acknowledge it. So thank you so much for sharing, Nick. No worries. Thanks, Nick. If anyone wants to pick up the conversation, they can find you at theideasagency.com. As ever, to the listeners, make sure that you subscribe, share this with your friends and family, anybody that you think will benefit from listening to this episode. We've had some great guests before, Nick, as well. So check out the main page. Subscribe. Don't miss an episode. It's makingconversationscount.studio forward slash podcast. On the next episode of Making Conversations Count. A little bit spray and pray, isn't it? Just expecting people to go out there and sell your stuff on your behalf. So I call it intelligent referral.